The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 11. I preached a message a number of months ago on hedges. Hedges. I'm not talking about shrubbery that's out in front of your house, perhaps. I am talking about a hedge of protection. And not the kind that you receive because somebody prayed over you, although you can receive a hedge of protection because somebody prayed. I'm talking about the kind of hedge that you build. And so I want to review just that for a moment, a few moments tonight, and move on to what to do if your hedges have been broken down And now you have the results of that. What do you do? The the story from David will illustrate it quite well. 2 Samuel chapter 11. It happened at the springtime. The year, time when the kings go out to battle. That David sent both Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon, besieged Rabah. But David remained In Jerusalem, the first hedge, and I'll just review this because you need to to learn this and, and you need to establish hedges of protection, things in your life so that you keep the enemy out and so that you fulfill your destiny. The first one is that there's a protection that comes. There's four of these. It's the first one. There's a protection that comes from doing the will of God from being where you're supposed to be, from serving God with all your heart. When the time of the year, the springtime, when the kings go out to war, well, David didn't go. He should have gone. There's a cutting edge protection that comes from obeying the Lord, from being in prayer, from being in church, from having a lifestyle of witnessing, a lifestyle of giving, a lifestyle of living for God. There's protection that comes from that. There's protection that comes by taking steps of faith, by living on the edge, walking on the water. Faith is never comfortable for your flesh. It never is. Your flesh never wants to go walk out on the water. Right, he shouldn't have been there. He should have been at war, but he's at home. And he sees this beautiful woman who I would venture to say he knows who she is because it's the wife of one of his mighty men. It's not, it's not like, oh, there's a new girl in town. Never mind, he's already married. And it's somebody else's wife. And he allows himself to, to be a peeping Tom. And yield to his perversion. Verse 3. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, whose wife is Uriah? Go do a little study on Uriah. This guy was bad. This is one of David's mighty men. One of his, one of his brothers. Then sends him out. Sends a letter. In fact, he has to carry his own death sentence. I mean, Uriah... Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? I mean, you, you, you get your termination papers. Here you go. Here you go. Um, listen, uh, Uriah, I want you to give this to Joab. You just take. And on this is the death sentence for him. Just take that. Give that to him. God bless you. Praise God. Nice guy. I'm going to tell you, sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go, and perversion and lust and all that stuff will drive you crazy, and it'll end up all messed up. And what, what, how insane could that be? What happened to the guy who says, one thing I will seek after, that will I behold, to, in, to inquire the temple of the Lord? What happened to him? What happened to the guy that couldn't sleep because he had to go in to be in the presence of the ark? What happened to him? Where is he? Listen, if you think you can't backslide, brother, I'm telling you right now, sister, brethren, listen to me. You can. 
I don't care how on fire you are right now. You've got to put hedges of protection in your life. Got to serve God full, full on with your hair on fire. Got to be in the right place at the right time. Got to do it. Number two, you've got to have relationships with people that will tell you to sit down and shut up if you need to sit down and shut up. Come on, my wife has my shut up card. Who has yours? I've got some other people, some other close confidants of mine. They know who they, know who they are. If you think you have my shut up card, you probably don't. Amen. But I do have people like that, and you need to have them. I've got yours, son. Amen. The truth is, to a certain degree, my son holds a shut-up card for me. Amen. Have you been rebuked by your kids? If you haven't, something's wrong. Oh, you walk on water, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Kevin, like, Dad, slow down and put your seatbelt on. I'm like, hey, bust it again. The third hedge that was broken, you all following me? The first one is not where he's supposed to be. Doing the will of God brings protection. Number two, he sent away people who held his shut-up card, relationships that will hold him accountable. Joab would have told him, dude, what do you think you're doing? That's Uriah's wife. Remember, Uriah, that's his wife. Stick your eyeballs back in your head and repent. Right? And by the way, you should be at war. Okay, but all those people are gone. The third thing you'll see is found in verse 11. Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. And my Lord Joab and the servant. So he goes on to talk about the ark. And here's what you have to understand. That the ark went out to battle with them. And all of the worship and the the ongoing prayer and everything that would take place. It's all out there. He doesn't have the kind of prayer covering he used to have. You need a prayer covering. You need somebody praying for you. And, and I should say along with that, that you need to develop a lifestyle of prayer. It will keep you safe. It will protect you. You need to develop a, a life of walking in intimacy with God. You need to develop a burning heart for God. You need to develop a hunger for the Lord, a hunger for the word. And then you need to be a part of a place where you're covered under a canopy of anointing of prayer. I love the fact that our church prays. Oh, it's so wonderful. We'll never fulfill what God's called us to do if if we're not a people of prayer. But we are. And we're going to go level more. And we're going to go deeper. Can you say amen? It's part of the vision of the house to be a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer center. Listen, if you don't have a prayer life, you won't make it long. Smile at me. I'm just trying to help you. All right. There's some hedges. One, doing the will of God. Two, have people around you that are not afraid to hurt your feelings. I'm not talking about some mean-hearted, mean-spirited person. I'm talking about somebody who loves you enough that's willing to say, dude, don't do that. I think that's a bad idea. You know, lusting after another man's wife. And so you, you have people around you like that. that. That takes a while of developing. Don't just pick any Joe. You be around people. You got to be around people long enough to see them live their lives in such a way that they're making healthy choices, healthy decisions, that they're a person of prayer, a person of the word. Don't just pick somebody. The third thing is have a prayer covering. The third hedge is have a prayer covering. Be a part of a prayer movement. He sent the ark out. Be in the presence of God. Be in the presence of God. Be in church. Be in fellowship. Can you say amen? Amen. And I think the fourth thing is simply holiness. You know, if you live right, flat out just going to protect you. Just live right. Have have backbone. Have standards. You're not going to you're going to see any article in No Frontiersman about me being in some weird place unless there's a whole bunch of devils being cast out or something and people getting saved uh, it's not going to be some article why because i just have a part of my routine I, which i don't violate I, I don't ride with women in my car by myself <gasps> is there something wrong with that well no not if it's my wife or my daughter 
But if it's another man's wife or another woman that it could possibly be viewed that I'm with another woman, I'm not doing that. Two other women in the car? Okay, you know, all right. One other woman? What if, what if, what if you have a, somebody who's part of your church and they're stranded on the side of the road? Dude, I'll pull over. We'll help you. We'll change the tire. We're standing to the, but we're not getting in my car, driving down the road together to get help. What if they have a broken leg? I'll put you in my trunk. The back of my trunk. I'll drive you. Come on. We'll put a little pillow back there. We'll leave the trunk open so you can get some air. Come on. Come on, somebody say amen. And I love this story about Pastor Ann. I love telling this story to Pastor Ann. We've had this standard in my, in my marriage for a long time. Fellas, I suggest you, you do that. There's some other things that I don't do. I'll never tell another woman that she looks beautiful. Right, come on. Come on. If you get, a hair, you get your hair done and I don't notice, shock, shock. <laughs> I have a hard enough time noticing when my own wife gets it done. But, but even if you did get your hair done... And I did notice, I'm not going to notice. You know what I'm saying? You'll never know. I, why? Because I have standards. I'm not going to say, wow, you look beautiful tonight. How insane is that? My wife is the most beautiful woman and all other women are men. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah, we do have to sort of define stuff and be careful of that these days, don't we? Oh, yeah. So Pastor Ann, who's 70-something years old, is going to take me to a funeral, and she's my ride, which I'm uneasy about because I have this rule. And so we go out to the car, and I'm like, oh, man, I got this rule with my wife. We've been married like three years. I'm like, oh, I got this rule. I get no single women. I can't ride with single women. Oh, I Pastor Ann, what she's going to have. And I'm just like, I'm going to stick to my guns, man. I'm going to stick to my guns. So we get out to her car, and she goes, okay, I'm going to drive you. Get in. I said, uh, Pastor Ann, <laughs> you know, we have my wife and I in agreement about, you know, riding with single women. She says, what? Get in the car. Get in the car. I said, yes, yes, but I get in the car. <laughs> She's like, Grandma, you know. But it's a good standard to have. Holiness. Four hedges of protection. Number one. And then I'm going to get to the part B. Number one. Do the will of God. Walk by faith. Don't settle. Don't rest on your laurels. Don't rest. Oh, well, it's, you know, send my army out and I'll stay home. Never lose the cutting edge walk of faith. Never lose it. Always take risk. Always take steps of faith. Always do the will of God. Always be in the will. Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. That brings protection. Can you say amen? amen? Number two. Don't send people away that you're accountable to. Have somebody who holds your shut-up card. Develop a hedge of relationships where people aren't, a, aren't afraid to tell you, duh, don't do that. Amen. You've got to develop that. Amen. He sent them all away. Number three, presence of God and prayer, corporate prayer, individual prayer. Have a prayer covering. Long for the presence of God. David got back, but David was backslid. Number four, personal holiness. These are some hedges of protection that will keep you in the days that are ahead. Now, David, he failed. He failed and committed murder and Bathsheba, he takes to be his wife. And it's a really a, a horrible, horrible tragedy. And the Lord sent, verse chapter 12, verse 1, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him, boy, I love this prophet Nathan. This guy's got some guts. If you were in the second service, I said something that was maybe more profound than I realized. And after I said it, I realized it. I'm just afraid of not doing the right thing. No, I really. No, really. I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a leash with the Lord that's about this long. I have to do the right thing. Not because I'm under compulsion of some sort of religious... Legalism. Legalism does the right thing for the wrong reasons. Listen to me. 
Legalism does the right thing for the wrong reasons. Legalism prays, reads the word, obeys the word, witnesses, does all the stuff, fasts, gives. Legalism does all that, people that are legalistic. But they do it to get favor. They do it to get love. They do it to get acknowledged. They do it to get the pat on the back. They do, they do that. But there is a healthy fear of the Lord. And I think maybe the Lord's giving me that. And in the second service, God spoke very clearly to me. He said, there's, some, there's, there's a man here who is in, is in adultery. I want you to warn him. And I thought, that's not exactly Sunday morning, nice, nice, easy peasy church. The Lord, can you warn him? Yeah, I'm going to warn him through you. Oh, okay. And I thought, mm, can you, can maybe, can we just like, you know, I don't know. And I thought, no, 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 wait a second. His blood's going to be on my hands if I don't, if I don't just, you know, we're not into embarrassing anybody, but at the same time, it was a word of knowledge was for a specific person. I'm afraid of not delivering the mail. Why? Because then it's my responsibility. Did, did you get that? Then, then, then actually you will be held accountable. And, and Nathan, I think he understood that to a tremendous degree as he stands before the king who could easily remove his head from his shoulders and he begins to prophesy and tell him and rebuke him. He gives him this parable, this story, a rich man, verse 2, who had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing. And this traveler came to the rich man, verse 4, and he tells the whole story. Verse 5, David's anger is greatly aroused against the man. Little does he know, it's him. Wow. And I love what Nathan says in verse 7. And Nathan said to David, the King James just knocks it home. Thou art the man. You're the dude. You're the guy that let the hedges break. You're the guy that stole the wife. You're the guy that committed adultery. You're the guy that committed murder. You are the man that I'm talking about. Wow, what a moment. Make a movie out of that and try not to add some stupid stuff. Amen. If they just make movies out of the real word, wouldn't it be awesome? Got to do some hodgepodge nonsense to try to make Noah look like a psychopath to sort of, you know, embrace the different religions. My gosh, Jesus, help us. Come on, somebody say amen. And so judgment is pronounced upon him. And this whole judgment comes. Now look at verse 15. Nathan departed from his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. So this is part of the judgment. And David therefore pleaded with God for the child. You all there? Verse 16. And he fasted, and he went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not. Nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day, so he's fasting and praying, lying prostrate before the Lord. Nobody can move him. Listen, some of you don't have the miracle in your life because you've never learned how to do that. I'm just saying. You get desperate enough, you might stop eating, fast and pray and get on your face until God shows up. Well, that went over real well. (laughs) On the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him and the child that the child was dead. For indeed, they said, indeed, while the child was alive, when he spoke to them, he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. In other words, they thought he'd take his own life or something. Verse 19, when David saw that the servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he's dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes and went to the house of the Lord and worshiped. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you for this next part of this message. In the moments that remain in the service, release living understanding, God, to each and every one of us. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a very simple message on what to do if the hedges have been broken or what to do when you have the results of loss, grieving, you're hurting, and you don't know which way to go. What to do. The first thing that David, the first thing that he did is he fasted and he prayed. And that's not a popular message, but you must learn to fast and pray. You have to learn how to do that. That's a pillar of your faith, fasting and prayer. You, you, we ought to really pick a day of, we, of the week that we should fast and pray. Three days a month, the first week in the first, the, the, the first three days, in the first week of every month, for three days, I, I endeavor to, because it doesn't mean I always do, but I endeavor to fast and pray. And I, I try to fast one day a week. Why? Because it should be a lifestyle of fasting and prayer. And David understood that. At every national emergency, in every personal trial, you will see God's people in the Old Testament and New, you'll see them fast and pray. And yet the New Testament church, the church, the body of Christ, very few people fast and pray. It's hard to get anybody to come to a prayer meeting. Want to come to a meeting where there's prophets? Want to come to a meeting where the power of God's showing up? Not too many people want to come to pray. David understood about prayer. He's busted. He's done this thing. He let the hedges down. And when, the, when he gets the result, and it's not the happiest news, he gets up from the ground. The ground is a place of lowliness, a place of brokenness, a place of, of what I believe desperation and prayer, a place of waiting. When the child dies, David gets up. Listen, some of you have been through some stuff. You've been through some loss. You've had some hard shots. And it's time to simply get up. It's time to get up. It's time to push yourself away from whatever took place, the loss, the hurting, the, the grieving. It's time to shake yourself from grief. It's time to shake yourself from, from disappointment and but just rise up off the ground. I will tell you, there's a time where you need to shake yourself and get free from stuff and just begin to walk in a new day. It's a new day. His mercies are new every morning. Can you say Amen. And that's what David did. And those who were around him were amazed. It means to move from a current place of lowliness, loss, despair, and brokenness, to stand up and begin to move to another, another place in God. He arose and he washed and anointed himself. You heard about the washing in the water of the word. Jesus talked about that. There is a washing that comes from the Spirit of God It'll cleanse you from your disappointment, from your grief, from your anxiety. It'll cleanse you from your current pain of your situation. All of us need to learn to get washed in the Spirit. All of us need to learn to wash our minds with the water of the Word. All of us need to learn to wash and get cleansed to even consecrate ourselves. It says in Exodus chapter 19, verse 10, And the Lord said to Moses, Go and tell the people to consecrate them today, tomorrow, have them wash their clothes. It's a picture of repentance. It's a picture of getting clean and shaking yourself from the past. Some of you need to shake yourself from your past. Get up off the ground, wash and anoint yourself. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. Did you know that it is simply a choice to become anointed? And when I say anointed, I mean to have God's power, God's presence, God's enablement to rest on you. It's a choice. What do you mean it's a choice? It's been taught for years that, that, that God just anoints certain people. That's, a not, that's nonsense. Every anointing and unction you see in the scripture is available for you if you do what they did to get it. I remember picking up a hitchhiker years ago on the island of Molokai. I picked up this guy and I'm witnessing to him. I don't have my family. I'm by myself and driving with this dude and we're talking about the Lord and he tells me he goes to church and, and uh, he's telling me about his church. I'm like, oh, wow, awesome. He says, yeah, and you know what? I go, what? He goes, they've got some vessels there. Vessels. What do you mean? You know, vessels. 
Ooh. So I'm like, dude, what's that? What's that? I said, what do you mean? What is that? He says, you know, people that are vessels. I said, yeah, well, we're all vessels. No, no, no. I mean vessels. They, they can prophesy. I thought, oh, no. I'm thinking to myself, what kind of nonsense is being taught from the pulpit? They can prophesy. They, they, they have got seer. We've got some vessels that are seers. And there's one guy that even prays for the sick and they get healed. I thought, okay, bro, let me help you. (laughs) I began to tell him and teach him. He didn't like it. Began to tell him and teach him about the fact that we're all supposed to be vessels of the Holy Spirit. That we're all supposed to be agents of change. That when we pray, something should happen. These signs that follow them that believe. Any believers here tonight? If you're a believer, raise your hand. Any believers? All right. These signs follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They'll pray with new tongues. Yeah, I think he even said that. There's, there's one guy that prays in a heavenly language. I said... Dude, I pray in a heavenly language. I'm a vessel. You're a vessel too. He says, oh, no, 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 no. He, he, he couldn't accept it because it, this nonsense had been rammed down his throat, this religious bunk. Listen, you can be anointed. You can bring change. You can bring transformation to your home, transformation to your family, transformation to your community by the very simple fact that Jesus lives on the inside of you, by the simple fact that he said you could. It's a choice. And he makes a choice. He gets up now anointed. Here is a picture of him putting oil on himself and anointing his head. And but it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you face difficulty and you face hard times, there's a time to be on the ground to fast and pray, but at the end, get up. Get up, wash yourself, change your clothes, consecrate yourself is another way to say that. Anoint yourself. Get anointed. I shall be anointed with fresh oil, the psalmist said. He changes his clothes. It's a picture of actions and righteousness and clothes, the white clothes of the saints in the book of Revelation is a picture of their righteous deeds. Hate even the clothes stained with sin. Clothes are a picture of, of, of acts, of that which you do. You know, when I was reading, I, I got a hold of this when I'm, before I met Pastor Karen, I had some clothes that I needed to get rid of. I mean, I literally took it. I took it literally. I thought, I did some sin in that shirt. I think I should get rid of it. I mean, it's a little creepy. You know, I, I don't want to make like this religious thing. But for me, every time I saw the shirt, I'd be like, ugh, I was wearing that shirt when, eep. <laughs> I, I got rid of the shirt. Some of you have stuff that reminds you of, of things that you did. Listen, if you have stuff, jewelry, I don't care what it is. I don't care what it costs. Trade it in, pawn it off, get some money, ties on it, and go, go out to dinner. Do something. Bless somebody. Do something. Get rid of it. Get, get rid of it. Listen, I had a BMW. I had this beautiful BMW 320i years ago. Nice car. I could not ride in the car. After I got saved, I had used that car and so many things happened in that car that I could not drive it anymore. There was no redeeming it. There was no, I couldn't, I tried. I wanted to look like the cool single guy in my 320i, but I couldn't redeem it. And the Lord's like, no, you're selling it. I don't want to sell it. Yeah, you're going to sell it. And I ended up selling it for, for a fraction of what it's worth so I could ride a bike. Does that make sense to you? Oh, it made sense to me because I was such a man of the flesh that he didn't want me to, what's up, y'all? What's up? Ride my BMW. Be hanging my big guns out the car. What's up? I, I mean, I, I'd just be all, I'd be, I'm saved. I was going to church and I'd pull up to a light and just be like, what's up? It was like you're getting rid of that. You're getting rid of. You're getting rid of everything. <laughs> you're riding a bike. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't even like a cool. 
school bike. It wasn't like, you know what I mean? It was like, a, it was like an English racer, like a Raleigh, you know, like a three-speed with a little bell on it. And I pull up, you know, ching, ching. I mean, and the Lord knows how to humble you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, just stick around. Lord's going to help you. Almost done. Thank you. If you would come, minister wonderful. He went to the house of the Lord. So he, he rises from the ground. He fasted and prays. And listen, God could have done a miracle, but, but judgment was upon him. And I call that the destruction of the innocent, precious baby who goes straight to heaven because of the results of stupid parents. Granted, the woman was a victim here. David certainly knew better. Nathan brings judgment. And by the way, you see this play out. You see this generational sin and iniquity passed down even to Solomon. A thousand wives. Can somebody please help me and tell me why would you need a thousand wives? who led him astray and called him to become an idolater. Terrible. David let the, the, the hedges down and the enemy came in and he turned to the Lord. And that is why, by the way, David is called a man after God's own heart because he was, he would come back to God. He would come back to the Lord. I think it's Psalm 18. Let me check. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Hey. How many of you going to build hedges in your life? I am. I'm going to keep them. I've got them. I'm going to keep them established. Yeah, this is amazing. Psalm 18, I have preached on this also. It really is a revelation to me. David wrote Psalm 18. And this man after God's own heart. Now, this sin happens actually after the writing of Psalm 18, but this is kind of amazing. Now, it says Psalm 18, and then there's some small print. It says, to the chief musician... Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, and he goes on, this is an amazing psalm. And it is literally the day that he, that Saul gets killed the one that was hunting him down, and it's the day that everything's recovered from Ziklag. How many of you know the story of David? Ziklag, everything's burned, and he pursues a raiding party, runs into an Egyptian, pursue, overtake, recover everything. On the day that Saul died, his arch enemy, his father-in-law, and on the day that he recovered everything from Ziklag, it's the same day. And on that day, he wrote Psalm 18. And what's amazing to me is this revelation. And if you could get a hold of this, it will really help you. Psalm 18, verse 19. He brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Let it be a revelation to you that God wants to deliver you, not because you're some great prayer warrior or, or, or all these great things you've done or how much you've read your Bible, but simply because he delights in you. Yeah, you need to read your Bible. Yeah, you need to be a prayer warrior, but he will deliver you simply based on the fact that he just thinks you're all that and a bag of chips with three Coca-Colas. He delights in you. He's crazy. Come on. Come on. Say God's crazy about me. Come on, say, say, God, I'm God's favorite one. Say it, I'm God's favorite one. Yeah, <laughs> he delights in me. And so David, having let down his walls, his, his hedges, gets the fruit of it. 
and responds through fasting and prayer. And when he gets the bad news, he pushes himself up off the ground after seven days of fasting and prayer. He changes his clothes. He washes himself. He anoints himself. And he goes to the house of the Lord. And he worships God. Oh. Oh, if you could just, if you could just catch this. He comes to the house of the Lord and worships. Nothing can take the place of having fellowship with other saints, what we call church, house of the Lord. Nothing. I'm going to go fishing. It's going to be great. It's awesome. I'm going to enjoy my family. I'm going to enjoy all y'all that head down there. It's going to be great. Nothing compares to being here, worshiping God, lifting our hands, praying, believing, nothing. There's not, not one thing. I'd rather have church every night. I'd have a church every night if, if I could. David understood what it was to come to the house of the Lord. Did you get something tonight? It says he goes to his own house and when he requested, he ate food. That must have been quite a meal. Listen, Build hedges around your life. Build, do, do the will of God. Have people around you to hold your shut-up card. What's number three? Have prayer and, and worship and have a prayer covering. Number four, holiness matters. Holiness matters. You do the right thing, and it simply brings protection. And it leads you, and it guides you, and it directs you. But if you go through difficulties, and you go through pain, and you go through loss, fast and pray. Who knows what the Lord will do? Who knows God can turn around even death? It doesn't matter what you might be facing. You fast, you pray, you believe God, you cry out. Leave the results to God. Contend, pray. And when the results come in, then get up. If it's discouraging, get up, shake yourself, wash yourself, put on some fresh clothes. Come on, go to church, worship Him, anoint yourself. Come on, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Make a choice to get on fire for God. Come on, stand up on your feet, lift your hands to heaven. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I want to pray for you if you're here. I didn't preach that long, just a few more moments. And we'll close. But I want to pray for you. If you're going through a hard time, I mean you're going through it. You're, you're like in it thick. It's like the, the sun has been blackened by the arrows. And you're just, oh, God. Difficult time. I want to pray for you. Come to the front right now. Just come. We're going to minister to you. We're going to pray for you. God's going to release strength. God's going to leave courage to you. God's going to give you faith. Come on. God's going to touch you right now. Come on, Minister Micah. You lead us in worship. Come on, let's believe God right now for all of these to receive strength from heaven right now. Hallelujah. Worship team, come. You have ravished my heart and taken me over. Release your power right now, Lord. Taken me over. Release your power. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit. all I I want my leaders to come and minister to you. Come on, come. Come, my leadership, come. Come and minister right now. Come on, preach, pray. Well, don't preach. Pray, prophesy. Come on, minister to them. Come on, come right around the front. Right around the front of them. Holy Spirit, touch. Come around the front. Come into the front of the sanctuary. Minister to them from the front. Come on, pray.
Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your healing touch. Thank you for courage and strength being released right now. Come on, just for a moment, make it, make this place a house of prayer. Jesus said, my house is a house of prayer. Come on, just pray. Lord, we thank you. Oh, 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 oh. love is for me.
on, put your hands together for Jesus tonight. Build the hedge of protection. Make a choice. It's not going to go poof one day because you came to church. You've got to grow them. You've got to take steps of faith. You've got to be in the right place. And time of the spring when the kings go to war. Do the right thing. Be in the right place. Obey God. Live cutting edge faith. Walk on the water when he says, come, go. Amen. Secondly, develop relationships where people are not people that love you enough to hurt your feelings, to tell you the truth. Not hurting your feelings for hurting your feelings sake. Not afraid to hurt your feelings to help you not kill yourself. Does that make sense? Thirdly, develop a prayer life and be a part of a prayer movement and enjoy the presence of God, the power of God. Get into His presence. Number four, personal holiness matters for without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Living right, living holy brings a hedge of protection. And in life, when maybe you've created it through your own shortcomings or sin, or perhaps you've just ended up in a hard place because of the fallenness of mankind or at the hand of others, learn to fast and pray. Or who knows that maybe you might cause that thing to turn and that baby to live, if I can say it that way. And when the results are in, Learn to get up off the ground. Shake yourself from the dust after you've fasted and prayed. Wash yourself. Come on, wash your mind. Come on, God's for you. Who can be against you? Settle it that we won. I read the back of the book. We won. You don't need to worry. You don't need to fret. The momentary light affliction and pain and difficulty that you're in will work for you. A far exceeding weight of glory if you'll allow it to do its work. Come on, somebody say work it. Wash and clothe yourselves. Anoint yourself. Get anointed. Get in prayer. Get in the word. Press in. Listen, I I, I gotta say this because I felt this when I was preaching and and we're gonna close. I'm almost done. This is like my third closing. I went through really difficult times before I was married and while I was married. And I have no doubt in my mind that there'll be some more difficult times to come. I looked at my wife this morning and I said to her during one of the services, reminding her of what she already knows, I said, sweetheart, there's not one thing, there's not one thing that'll happen that'll cause us to be derailed. God will always come through for us, even in death. That's not the final say. I have found in my own walk that when I position myself in a place of brokenness and repentance and prayer and through fasting, some of you have never shut yourself in a room. Listen, if you have something that really hits your life, it hits you so hard that you don't know which way is up, try taking a few days off of work, get a big old bottle of water, shut yourself in your room, drink the water, use the bathroom when you need to and don't get off your face and cry out to God and your thoughts will want to go to Xbox 360 or try to check your phone or your messages or no, 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 no I'm talking about pressing in if you've never learned or never had that encounter where you've been so desperate that you've pressed yourself to touch the hem of his garment if you never experienced that then, then you might be ripping yourself off you know, we're entering into some shaking that's going to happen and if you don't know how to touch the hem of his garment you better learn just saying hashtag real Christianity hello can you say amen how many well lift your hand you know what I'm talking about I'm I'm hey you can press in you can touch the hem of his garment and everything can change and in the end you just push yourself off the ground change your clothes wash yourself dump some oil on your head and go to the house of the Lord and worship him and just trust him can you say amen And in the lineage of David comes the Messiah. Who knows what God's going to do as you serve him? Because he delighted me, Psalm 18, verse 19. Because he delighted in me, he delivered me from all of my enemies. God delights in me. He's going to deliver you. If it didn't come yet, well, fast and pray. Keep believing God. Amen. Keep going to church. Keep worshiping. Amen. 
Do you get something? Come on, let's close. Father, we thank and praise you for what you do. Thank you for releasing strength and hope and courage to each and every one of these. Thank you that you are the answer. Help us to build these hedges of protection, to walk by faith and do the right thing and be in the right place at the right time. Help us, God, to develop relationships that are meaningful people that truly will love us enough to offend us if necessary. Help us to develop those kind of meaningful relationships. Help us, number three, to have a lifestyle of prayer and seeking you and being in your presence in our homes and in church. Four, help us, God, to build a hedge of holiness. We'll live for you. We'll be people of conviction. That the word of God would be our standard. We'd not deviate through the popular heresies and the gangrenous teachings that are out there about grace. That we could just do whatever we want. It's nonsense and it's not true. Lord, we would live for you in holy reverence and fear and fire and passion. We would fulfill your plan and purpose for our lives. Now bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards us, O God. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace and lots of fish. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.